Well, hello, hello, and welcome to the iFormerX podcast, where we explore the evidence that informs ambulatory care pharmacy practice. This is Stuart Haynes, and I'm the host of the iFormerX podcast, and we've got a great show in store for you today. As the pandemic has clearly demonstrated over the past two years, pharmacists play an increasingly important role in the delivery of vaccinations. Indeed, by one estimate, pharmacists have been responsible for delivering 70 to 80% of all COVID-19 vaccines delivered in the United States. So I think it's safe to say that patients are becoming more and more comfortable with receiving vaccinations through pharmacies and having them administered by pharmacists and pharmacy technicians. So being up to date on immunization practices is an important part of every pharmacist's public health role. While COVID-19 vaccinations, both primary immunization series and boosters, are still critically important, we can't forget the other life-saving vaccines that patients should receive. For those with chronic cardiovascular and respiratory diseases, it's especially important that they receive the influenza vaccine each year. However, I think many health professionals and patients are a bit reluctant to administer the influenza vaccine when someone is recovering from an acute illness. And not just an acute viral or bacterial illness, but giving the vaccine while someone is hospitalized for a COPD exacerbation or acute coronary syndrome, for example. And I think some of this hesitancy is a lack of data about the safety of administering a vaccine to someone who's acutely ill or who's been recently hospitalized. And that's why a recently published report in the journal Circulation back in November 2021 caught my eye because I think it provides some reassurance. And here to talk to us about this study and its implication in practice are Noelle Cardova and Laura McAuliffe from small but mighty Rhode Island. Dr. Cardova is a PGY2 ambulatory care pharmacy practice resident. And Dr. McAuliffe is a clinical pharmacy specialist and the residency program director for the PGY2 ambulatory care residency offered by Lifespan's Rhode Island Hospital and Clinics. Laura reached out to me about a year ago asking how she can get their residents and the AM care preceptors more involved in iFormerX. And I'm delighted to have worked with all three of their residents this past year. So Laura, thank you. And Noelle, it's great to have you here as a first-time contributor. Welcome. Thank you so much for having us, Stuart. Really looking forward to the discussion today. Yeah, thank you, Stuart. Happy to be here. So Laura, I'd like to start our discussion today by talking about CDC recommendations for adult vaccinations. I know there is a slew of vaccines that kids should receive, and, and there are complicated schedules to review but it's getting pretty complicated for adults too. So rather than explore every possible scenario in patient population, I'd like to focus our attention on adults with cardiovascular disease, which in my practice and presumably in many of our listeners' practices is essentially everyone. <laughs> so first, how is cardiovascular disease defined in the CDC recommendations? For example, if I have hypertension, am I considered to have cardiovascular disease? And second, what vaccinations should I receive, why, and when? Let's assume that the patient has already received their recommended childhood vaccinations like MMR, varicella, and hep B. 
which I realize isn't always the case, but still, what would be the recommended vaccinations that an adult who's received all those childhood vaccines should now receive? Those are some really good questions and things that come up a lot in our practice, Stuart. So first off about cardiovascular disease, you know, the CDC defines cardiovascular diseases as a group of heart and blood vessel disorders with coronary artery disease or CAD being the most common type in the United States. So if you have hypertension, you would actually not have cardiovascular disease, but rather hypertension is considered a risk factor for cardiovascular disease. And as far as which vaccinations should you receive? So for adults with cardiovascular disease, it's recommended that they receive an inactivated or recombinant influenza vaccine every year. The live attenuated influenza vaccine should be used with caution only in those who qualify and those who have cardiovascular disease only if the benefit of protection outweighs the risk of adverse reactions. Other immunizations recommended also include a Tdap or TD booster, which is every 10 years, the recombinant zoster vaccine at age 50 or older, pneumococcal vaccination according to the recommended schedule, along with vaccinations for the hepatitis B virus. For more information, always recommend referring to the most up-to-date um, CDC and ACIP recommendations as they have really helpful schedules and tables for clinicians to view. So, Noelle, let's talk about the study that you reviewed in your iFormerX commentary. The, the paper was published in the journal Circulation on November 2nd, 2021, and the paper is entitled Influenza Vaccine After Myocardial Infarction, a Randomized, Double-Blind, Placebo-Controlled, Multi-Center Study. And we, we posted a link to that paper on the iFormerX website, but can you give us a brief summary of the study methods and the, and the key results? So this was a pretty interesting study. Um, the influenza vaccination after myocardial infarction or IAMI trial um, investigated whether influenza vaccination could reduce the rate of the primary composite endpoint, which consisted of all-cause death, myocardial infarction, or stent thrombosis at 12 months in patients with a diagnosis of STEMI and STEMI or stable CAD undergoing a PCR. CI. 2,532 patients were randomized um, in a one-to-one -one ratio to receive either an influenza vaccine or placebo within 72 hours of PCI, and both groups were similar at baseline. Um, but due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the trial did end early as it was expected that influenza transmission would decrease and because COVID-19 related deaths may make it difficult to interpret the results of this trial. And so the primary composite endpoint occurred in significantly fewer patients in the vaccine group than in the placebo group, with 5% of patients who received the influenza vaccine experiencing all-cause death, MI, or stent thrombosis at 12 months, and 7.2% of patients in the placebo group experiencing one of those endpoints. And then the key secondary endpoints consisted of the individual components of the primary composite endpoint along with cardiovascular death. And there was a statistically significant reduction in all-cause death and cardiovascular death in the vaccine group compared to the placebo group, but no significant difference in the rates of MI or stent thrombosis between the two groups. 
So I certainly believe this is a well-designed study, but Laura, are there any potential sources of bias or confounders that might have influenced the results? Any limitations or concerns that you might have? Yes, Stuart. So a potential limitation of this trial to consider is that patients in the placebo group were actually permitted to obtain an influenza vaccine outside of the study. And about 13% of patients in the placebo group did cross over to the intervention arm. Another limitation was the endpoints were obtained through telephone interview with the participants or their representative. And if they were unable to be contacted, then information was collected from hospital records. Lastly, this trial was completed in Europe, Bangladesh, and Australia, which may limit the generalizability of the results to the U.S. population, as the influenza strains in those areas may slightly differ from season to season compared to those seen in the U.S. In addition, the efficacy of the vaccine each varied uh, between the influenza season. But regardless, influenza vaccination is already a routine recommendation for the majority of the U.S. population, and this trial further supports the importance of ensuring that our patients are vaccinated against influenza every year. So, Noelle, what, what's the bottom line? The authors suggest that patients hospitalized for an MI or acute coronary syndrome should be given the influenza vaccine prior to discharge. But as we all know, immunizations are often not a high priority when someone's heading out the door. And, I, and I'm not suggesting that pharmacists in acute care shouldn't be actively reviewing every patient's vaccination history and getting people vaccinated before hospital discharge, but there are going to be people who fall through the cracks. So what can we do to increase immunization rates in this very high-risk population? Uh, clearly, this is a potentially life-saving intervention. The data shows from this study that there's a number needed to treat probably only 50. What, what should ambulatory care community pharmacists and transition of care pharmacists do? So as ambulatory care community and transitions of care pharmacists, we should continue to recommend annual influenza vaccination to all patients who qualify. So the CDC um, ACIP recommends that vaccination should be offered during routine healthcare visits and also hospitalizations uh, to avoid missed opportunities for vaccination. Um, although I will note that patients with moderate or severe acute illness with or without a fever is a general precaution for vaccination, and it may be appropriate to hold off on vaccinating these patients until their illness resolves. However, ambulatory care pharmacists seeing patients in clinic who were recently discharged after a STEMI and STEMI or PCI um, for stable coronary artery disease should recommend influenza vaccines if they did not receive it while inpatient. And our transitions of care pharmacists on the inpatient and outpatient side can help to coordinate influenza vaccine appointments and refer patients to local community pharmacies or clinics um, where they may receive the vaccine. And then those patients who may be hesitant to receive the influenza vaccine, it may also be helpful to emphasize that there may be an association between influenza and the risk of cardiovascular events, and receiving the influenza vaccine may add an additional layer of protection for them. 
Well, Noel, Laura, it, it is so great to have the two of you on the iFormerX podcast today, and thank you for writing the commentary. Uh, it seems we now have yet another compelling reason to administer the influenza vaccine. Uh, unfortunately, the flu is not perceived by many patients or even health professionals, for that matter, as a particularly life-threatening disease. But the fact of the matter is many high-risk patients with multiple comorbidities die every year from the flu, and most of the deaths are preventable. Does this data make a compelling case? Well, I certainly think it does. Some patients are hesitant to get vaccinated. How do we help them sort through the barrage of misinformation that's out there and increase their confidence in you and in the science? Remember, only iFormerX members can leave comments and use the interactive features on the website. And membership in iFormerX is free. So if you're not already a member and all health professionals or students in school who are studying to become a health professional can sign up today. And if you are a board-certified ambulatory care pharmacist, like Dr. McAuliffe and myself, you are going to be happy to learn that you can earn continuing education and board recertification credit for this program through the American Pharmacists Association. So just click on that link that's posted below the article to learn more about APHA's board prep and recertification program for ambulatory care pharmacists. And finally, I want to extend a big, warm, special thank you to Ann Hume at the University of Rhode Island. Uh, Dr. Hume has been a supporter of iFormerX from its inception nearly a decade ago. Ann has introduced iFormerX to many residents and faculty over the years, including Dr. McAuliffe, and she's been a, a financial supporter too. So, Thank you, Anne, for being a pioneer in ambulatory care pharmacy practice and for supporting our mission. Until next time, this is Stuart Haynes, Editor-in-Chief of iFormerX, signing off. Mm-hmm.